The Bloody Benders, serial killers of Kansas. In the 19th century, Kansas was a bloody place, especially before the Civil War, as free soldiers and slavery advocates duked it out for control of the new territory. Once Kansas declared itself with the Union and the Civil War began, the bloody battles continued. When the war was over, pioneers began to head westward along the many trails through Kansas. Murder and mayhem persisted as hardened men from the battlefields, grown used to the violence, continued their violent ways along the overland trails in the many cow towns. If not accosted by road agents, travellers also had to be concerned about Indian attacks. Southeast Kansas in particular was known as a rough area. Though most of us know of Dodge City's wicked ways, the deadly gunfight of the Daltons in Coffeyville, and the many outlaws and gunfighters who spent time in the Sunflower State, few are aware of a family of mass murderers living a supposed quiet life near the small town of Cherry Vale. Just after the Civil War ended, the United States government moved the Osage Indians from the Labay County in southeast Kansas to the new Indian Territory in what would later become known as the state of Oklahoma. The vacated land was then made available to homesteaders, who, for the most part, were a group of hard-working pioneers farming the area's softly rolling hills and windswept prairies. In 1870, five families of spiritualists settled in western LeBay County, about seven miles northeast of where Cherry Vale would be platted a year later. One of these families was the Benders, comprised of John Bender Sr., his wife Almira, son John Jr., and daughter Kate. A cult-like group, the families chose from several available claims and began to make their homes. John Bender Sr. chose a 160-acre section on the western slopes of the mounds that continued to bear their name today. The property was located directly on the Osage Mission Independence Trail from Independence to Fort Scott. His son chose a narrow piece of land just north of his father's. However, he never lived in on his claim nor made his, any improvements. The family soon built a small one-room framed cabin, a barn and a coral and dug a well. Inside the wooden cabin, the area was partitioned with a large canvas, creating living quarters in the back and a small inn in, and store in the front. A crude sign was hung above the front door that advertised groceries to many travellers along the Osage Trail. The little store carried a few supplies such as powder, shot, groceries, liquor and tobacco, sold meals and provided a safe overnight resting place to strangers along the road. Keeping mostly to themselves, the Benders appeared to simply be a struggling homesteaders who worked hard to earn their living like the other area pioneers. Immigrating from Germany, John Bender Sr. was 60 years old when he arrived in the area. His wife was about 55. Standing over 6 feet tall, John was a giant of a man who, because of his piercing black eyes set deeply under huge bushy brows, earned him the nickname of Old Beetlebrow John. His ruddy face, mostly covered by a heavy beard, sullen expression and long hair often led him to being described as a wild and woolly looking man. 
John and his raw bone wife spoke with such guttural accents that few could understand. Mrs. Bender, a heavy-set woman, was so unfriendly and had such sinister eyes that her neighbours began to call her the she-devil. To add to their fierce look, Ma Bender claimed to be a medium who could speak with the dead and boiled herbs and roots that she declared could be used to cast charms and wicked spells. Her husband and son were said to have have feared her as she ran the household with an iron fist. John Bender Jr. was a tall, slender man of about 25, who was handsome with auburn auburn hair and a moustache, speaking English fluently with a German accent. He was said to have been social, but he was prone to laugh aimlessly, which led many people to think of him as a bit of a halfwit. Daughter Kate was the friendliest of the bunch, speaking good English with just a slight accent and bore cultivated social skills. A beautiful girl of about 23, she was quick to laugh and talk to strangers. She and her brother John often attended Sunday school near Harmony Grove and readily accepted in the community. Kate was a self-proclaimed healer and psychic, gave lectures on spiritualism and conducted seances. She also claimed to possess psychic powers, including communicating with the dead. She soon found the lecture circuit profitable by distributing circulars that proclaimed her skills, including supernatural powers and the ability to cure illnesses and infirmities. The petite auburn-haired beauty desired notoriety and often advocated free love in justification for murder in her lectures. Along with her desire for fame, she also craved wealth and position. Though her beauty and social skills gained popularity with the locals, her actions began to cause them to say she was satanic. It was to be this this diminutive Bender family member who wouldn't take most of the blame for what was soon to be found out about the infamous family. When the Benders opened their store and inn in 1871, many travelers would stop for a meal or supplies. However, some of those men who frequently carried large sums of cash intending to settle, buy stock or purchase a claim began to go missing. When friends and family began to look for them, they could trace them as far as the big hill country of southeast Kansas before finding no trace of the lost travellers. These first few missing travellers did not raise an overall alarm in the area, as it was not uncommon for men to continue their journey westward during those days. However, as more time passed, the disappearances became more frequent, and by the spring of 1873, the region had become strife with rumours and travellers began to avoid the trade. When neighbouring communities started to make slanderous insinuations, the Osage Township called a meeting held at the Harmony Grove Schoolhouse in March to see what, if anything, could be done. About 75 people attended the gathering, including both Bender men. The discussion began regarding the 10 people who were reported missing including a well-known independent physician named Dr. William H. York. With the full realization that there was a major problem in their township, the group decided to search every farmstead between Big Hill Creek and Drum Creek. The benders remained silent when most of the attendees volunteered to have their premises searched. 
Sometime later, Billy Toole, a neighbour of the Benders, noticed that the Bender Inn was abandoned and their farm animals unfed. Toole reported the news to Leroy F. Dick, the township trustee, and a search party was soon formed, which included Dr. York's brother, Colonel A.M. York, at Fort Scott. When the men arrived at the property, they found the cabin empty of food, clothing, and personal possessions. A terrible smell inside the abandoned inn also met them. A trapdoor nailed shut was discovered on the cabin floor. Prying it open, the men found a six-foot-deep hole filled with clotted blood, causing a terrible odour. However, there were no bodies to be found in the hole. Finally, the men physically moved the entire cabin to the side and began to search beneath, but no bodies were found there either. Continuing, they began to dig around the cabin, especially in the area the benders had utilised as a vegetable garden and orchard. At the site of a freshly stirred depression in the earth, they found the first body, buried head downward with his feet scarcely covered. The corpse was that of Dr. William H. York, his skull bludgeoned and his throat cut from ear to ear. If you like that, then listen to our main show every Wednesday on all good podcast providers. It's Alive Alive, the really, really fake true crime horror podcast. All the guts and gore, none of the guilt. See you on Wednesdays.